You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. May God use and overrule my words. May God's word only be spoken, God's word only be heard. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad to see you this morning. Um, I want you to know that I'm standing on Fred's box, Fred Terado's box. <laughs> he was kind enough to loan it to me, and so I hope that's, you can come, if you need to come and get it, Fred, I will give it to you. Um, I'm really glad to be here and be with you this morning. The night before the first time, the very first time I ever preached at the Cathedral Church of the Advent, I did not sleep well. Granted, I was very new to ordained life, um, not practiced at preaching for sure, but I also knew this parish's uh, reputation and tradition for excellent preaching. Um, And I had experienced so many amazing preachers here, so when Dean Zoll invited me, I was more than honored. That day was on Tuesday of Holy Week. I will never, never forget. And my text was from Corinthians. It was about the foolishness of the cross and the wisdom of God. I wish I had time to do that today. I was anxious, and then I read this little plaque that is right here, dated May 18, 2006. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. And that calmed me right down. I'm teasing. (laughs) Today, I have some of those same feelings, except my excitement is more about you Um, and for all of you who are being confirmed or received today, while I will always be very honored to come here and preach anytime, today I'm more honored to be here to worship and to celebrate what is a very special day with those of you who are being confirmed and received and for everybody else because Whenever someone is confirmed and received, it affirms our faith and strengthens our faith. And so it is a celebration day. We are uh, confirming today and remembering and affirming that the Holy Spirit that has been given to you at baptism is alive and well and working or you would not be here where you are today. And now you're taking the next step in your Christian life. You're affirming for yourself what others said at your baptism, maybe. By the laying on of hands, we are affirming uh, visibly that the Spirit's at work and you're beginning a new chapter in your life with Christ. And we're rejoicing and we're giving thanks. In addition to that, you are being confirmed on Pentecost Sunday the official birthday of the church. And so we can count on the Holy Spirit being everywhere. Today we remember that on this day, over 2,000 years ago, God fulfilled what Jesus had promised by sending his Holy Spirit on the disciples and empowering them to be the body of Christ and to spread the gospel 
around the world. Pentecost in the lives of the Jewish people was just a festival where they gathered to remember that God gave them the law through Moses on Sinai. And they were all gathered for that reason in Acts to celebrate when the wind started blowing. There are actually two accounts of the giving of the Spirit in the Bible. The one we read in Acts, which we could call the Spirit Party. Maybe it's more familiar to us. It rocks the house and the hearts and the minds of the disciples. And then there is this other account in John's Gospel, the 20th chapter, where the Spirit comes quietly, as quiet as a breath. And Jesus breathes on frightened disciples hiding behind a locked door. And Christ enters and says, peace be with you. And as the Father sent me, now I send you. And that's essentially what we're doing today as you move into the church more fully and into a life with God more fully. We're sending you as the Father has already sent us and many of us. His breath recalls the creation story in Genesis where God breathes into Adam and Eve and they become living souls. Jesus' breath makes the disciples new creations, able to forgive sins, able to retain sins. It's amazing power and it's new life, all given by something that they can't see with their eyes or touch with their hands. They can only feel it. Many years ago now, I served on staff at a summer camp for 15 to 18-year-olds. There were four priests and 11 adults, and we spent 12 days with 175 youth, 15 to 18 years of age. I remember I learned a great deal about myself and a little bit about young people. Our program was about decision-making, about helping young people decide how to live in our world as Christians. Our world is increasingly uh, measuring truth by our personal experience and by our our understanding of how useful that experience is. And that is a very fragile and flimsy way to measure truth when compared to measuring truth by measuring it against God. Well, one day we talked about values to try and illustrate how what we value determines what we decide. We gave the youth this exercise with questions. Imagine a meteorite destroying the earth. If you had to pick 10 people who would help you recreate life after earth's destruction, who would you pick and what qualities would each person have? Several groups said similar things, something like they would take a smart doctor, an honest lawyer, a hardworking farmer, a leader, a creative musician, and a builder with imagination. Most said they would like to have a priest or a minister along. One group said they would like to take and have a priest ninja. I'll let you picture that. They wanted their priest to have spiritual power, real karate-like warrior power. I'm for that our meetings would be so much more exciting. 
They reminded me of how we all want God to be powerful in real and tangible ways, ways that we can see that part of the challenge of following and believing in the Holy Spirit is that it is invisible. We also asked them if God could come to you in any form at all. How could God come to you so that you would recognize him on the street? And one said, I want God to come as a political leader. One said, I want God to come as a puppy because my heart is always open to puppies. Another even said, I want God to come as an ice cream man with his bells ringing and his music playing because when I hear an ice cream truck, I always wanna go and see it and buy ice cream. No one said, gosh, I want God to come like breath or spirit or wind. So I ask you, how can God come for you so you will know him? Would you say, let him come as spirit? Well, in today's reading from John, which is from not the 20th, but the 15th chapter and the 16th chapter, Jesus is at the Last Supper with his disciples, and he's already predicted long before now, at the beginning of the 14th, several times that he's leaving. In chapter 14, he's promised he will not leave them orphaned. And today he gives them some more detail about that promise and some warnings. The disciples will abide in Jesus' love and love one another, but they'll also receive their share of the world's hatred of Jesus. But the disciples can trust that the helper, the spirit, will lead them into all truth. In other words, loving one another as we persist, it will always lead them to Jesus. Jesus also tells them that he has to go away, it's required, he must go away before the helper can come. Just like the risen Jesus is set free after the resurrection to be and appear everywhere and be with us all in a different way, he will remain with us in this new way as well. Now the Greek word here is paraclete, which can mean many things. The translation we hear says helper, but it could also be advocate, like a lawyer who would go with you to court and plead your case, a comforter or a counselor or a helper. And the literal translation is one who comes alongside. Augustine said, the Holy Spirit is in our soul, but it's like a forgotten memory. God's grace comes into our lives and helps us remember that it's there. Paul tells us the Spirit leaves evidence of his presence, fruits such as love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Look for those And those are like the Spirit's footprints. In the Old Testament, when King David falls in love with Bathsheba and arranges for her husband to be killed in battle so that he can have her, the prophet Nathan confronts David with his guilt. Y'all know this story. And says to him, 
you are the man, the guilty one. Said another way, you have sinned against God, behave more like an animal than God's anointed king. And David crumbles under that truth of what Nathan says. He sits down and he writes Psalm 51, a psalm of repentance, where he says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. David knew that his sin had blotted out what was most important inside him, and he cried out for God to restore it. Clearly, that's what makes us different from all other creatures. We're endowed with God's Holy Spirit by God's choice. We can't see it except through our lives by God's grace, but the Spirit of God is there. It promises to lead us to a peace, the peace that Jesus wishes on us, and that's not just a lack of conflict or war, but a deep harmony, a rightness with God that's given as a gift. Many, most of us see only glimpses of that peace now when we least expect it, but someday that peace will reign. Once Jesus lived and died on earth for us and then was, resurrect, was resurrected, he willed us to have God's spirit in a whole new way, to empower us to do his work in the world, to transform us in spite of our sin, to be a comforter going to the places where we have no comfort, to be our advocate standing beside us and pleading our case. Now I must admit I'd rather have God solve all my problems and show up in visible, touchable form on demand. Instead, I get the story of God in flesh, a man from Nazareth who healed the sick, cared for about the despised, suffered with those who hurt, loved the unlovable, was innocent, and yet died for us to redeem our sin. Jesus reveals God so we may see God's love for us, how great and wide it really is. God did come down once, and he remained here in a way that he's working among us now. He chooses to do his work through ordinary, regular people drawn together by what we believe, by sharing prayers and worship and ordinary bread and wine. God accomplishes his work through his church in a slow and tedious way, one life at a time. In a moment, we will all renew our baptismal vows, and then we will confirm and receive those who are offering themselves for our Lord's service. For those being confirmed, today's a big milestone, a place to take a breath and give thanks for where you are. For all of us, this is a chance to celebrate with you or just celebrate being here together in this precious moment where we're not, our faces are not so covered a chance to recall that our lives are all sustained by grace. We're witnesses to the risen Christ among us. That witness calls us to love and hope, to bear each other's pain and joy. It asks us to trust the spirit of truth, to lead us to Jesus, to look around at each other and to be his church, expecting we will find his love 
blazing in our hearts. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.